This is Jim Stern, author of Artificial Intelligence for Marketing, Practical Applications, and you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, which is named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's actually working in modern marketing and sales. And don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com, which is also where you can sign up for the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. And marketingbookpodcast.com is also where you can send me a message with any comments, suggestions, or recommendations for the show. I love hearing from listeners like you from around the world. I'm also on Twitter. My Twitter handle is marketingbook or connect with me on LinkedIn. My name again is Douglas Burdett. I respond to every single message I get from listeners, so please introduce yourself. Now, let's talk about you. Yes, you. Whether you realize it or not, by listening to the Marketing Book Podcast, it says something about you. It says you're probably a lifelong learner, always searching for new ideas in order to be more successful. So I'd like to tell you about another podcast that you might really enjoy. The B2B Growth Show is a daily podcast dedicated to helping business-to-business marketers achieve explosive growth. It's hosted by my friends James Carberry and Johnny Green and includes interviews with marketing practitioners, experts, and over 25 authors who have also been on the Marketing Book Podcast. And while it's a daily show, each episode of the B2B Growth Show is only 12 to 15 minutes, except, of course, for when I was a guest on the show and couldn't stop talking about all the great books that have been featured on the Marketing Book Podcast. So just hop onto your podcast player and search for B2B Growth Show. And you can follow the B2B Growth Show on Twitter at B2B Growth Show. So if you're a business-to-business executive and you like the Marketing Book Podcast and you're not already a listener to the B2B Growth Show, give it a listen. Now on to today's interview. Today, we welcome Jim Stern to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about his new book, Artificial Intelligence for Marketing, Practical Applications. Jim Stern has been in data processing since 1979, an online marketing consultant since 1993, and an online marketing analytics consultant since 2000. He is the founding president of the Digital Analytics Association and producer of the eMetrics Summits. Jim was named one of the 50 most influential people in digital marketing by Revolution, the UK's premier interactive marketing magazine, and one of 25 hot speakers by the National Speakers Association, to which he credits his degree in Shakespeare. He has consulted to some of the world's largest companies and lectured at MIT, Stanford, USC, Harvard, and Oxford. And interesting fact, he and I both attended the 1964 New York World's Fair. Jim, congratulations on Artificial Intelligence for Marketing, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you very much. I am delighted to be here, and thank you for that great introduction. So, Jim, I've always felt artificially intelligent, 
but, but now after reading your book, I realize it's a, it's a completely different thing. So there you go. But what I wanted to say was for anyone who may be listening to this interview five years from now or, or more, it brings to mind a segment from the Today Show in 1994. And I'm going to have a link to that in the show notes. And it, it was you know the US morning TV show, Katie Couric, Bryant Gumbel. And in 1994, they were sitting there and they were saying, what is, what is internet? What is this internet thing? And it was very funny and very revealing. And I think a lot of people felt that way. I think that that might be where we are to a certain extent with where artificial intelligence is as it relates to marketing. It is and only more so because things are happening so much faster now than they did in the you know, early 90s. The amount of venture capital being thrown at this, the recognition worldwide that this is an important step in technology. And so my focus is, okay, well, how is it being applied to marketing? I sold business computers to companies that had never owned one before back in the 80s. And my job has always been explaining this stuff. What, what is it? How does it work? How will it change my life? And and why do I not have to run from the building screaming arms waving overhead because it's going to eat my job and my life and take over? Right. right. It is, you know, people were terrified of the internet. And some of that fear has proved true. Yes, it it is a place where evil things can be done. I think some of that fear is still there too. Yeah. And now here comes AI with, because it's not understood, of course, there's a great deal of fear, but some of that fear is appropriate. Right. So for the listener, you know, you're thinking, well, what, what do I need? What, what do I need to know about this for? And I want to just want to point out a couple things. And you mentioned this at the beginning of the book. You said, this book is for the marketing manager who has to respond to the C-level insistence that the marketing department, quote, get with the times. And you refer to that as management by in-flight magazine. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And I, I think uh, henceforth, I'm going to be using that expression, management by in-flight magazine. We did another interview, the author of a book about account-based marketing. And it was the same sort of thing. You know, the listener is going to go in on Monday and the boss will have been reading an in-flight magazine. Yeah. And they'll say, what's this ABM thing all about? I think that's the next thing. You know, it's almost as if the joke is they come in, they say, let's, let's move everything into Snapchat. Let's, uh, That's right. let's, let's go in that direction. <laughs> and there was another quote towards the end of the book, which I just, I loved, and I've seen it before from W. Edwards Deming. It is not necessary to change. Survival is not mandatory. <laughs> so there you go. Now, I just want to open with one excerpt, and then we got to get into a couple of definitions. I think it's going to be very helpful for the listener. So the autonomic nervous system controls everything you don't have to think about, your heart, your breathing, your digestion. All of these things can happen while you're asleep or unconscious. These tasks are complex, interrelated, and vital. They are so necessary, they must function continuously without the need for deliberate thought. That's where marketing is headed. We are on the verge of the need for autonomic responses just to stay afloat. Personalization, recommendations, dynamic content selection, and dynamic display styles are all going to be table stakes. The technology seeing the light of day in the second decade of the 21st century will be made available as services, and any company not using them will suffer the same fate as those that decided not to avail themselves of word processing, database management, or internet marketing. And so it's time to open up that black box full of mumbo-jumbo called artificial intelligence and understand it just well enough to make the most of it for marketing. 
Ignorance is no excuse. You should be comfortable enough with artificial intelligence to put it to practical use without having to get a degree in data science. So, Jim, definitions. What is artificial intelligence? Well, first of all, when it's time to do the audio version of this book, can, can we get you to do the reading? That was wonderful. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> what is AI? It is a program that is able to change its mind is probably the best, the shortest answer I can give you. You know, we started off in, in software, it's, it's linear. It, it, you do this, do this, and then do this. And if this happens, do this thing. But if that happens, do this other thing. And you, you plot out all the possibilities and you code it. And if something goes wrong, it kicks out an error message. It follows strict rules. Absolutely. Then, then you move over to the idea of a mathematical model and let's go simple, an Excel spreadsheet. You know, you play, what if, what, what if I multiply this by two or divide it by six, or we add six columns together and you look at the results and go, that's interesting. Well, what if we tweak this thing? Then you go to a statistical model that calculates probabilities. So instead of just adding and subtracting, it says, well, you know, there's no such thing as black and white. It's more likely this and more probabilistically that, and it, it, predicts likelihoods. And then a human looks at that and says, yeah, that's useful or that's interesting or, ooh, that's a bad model. Artificial intelligence looks at a whole bunch of data and uses examples to figure out what to do next. And it changes its mind based on the results. So it's a program that can figure things out for itself. Okay. It's artificial intelligence. What is machine learning and, and how is that different from artificial intelligence? Artificial intelligence is an umbrella that covers things like natural language processing. So when you talk to Siri or Alexa, or you type something into a bot, it is interpreting what you're saying and turning it into text and then interpreting the text in order to figure out meaning. That's an artificial intelligence program. There's computer vision that looks at a million cats, and now you show it a picture of a dog, and it says, nope, that's not a cat. That's something else. Robots belong to artificial intelligence because they are responding in real time to the real world. Machine learning is an underlying capability that allows the software to learn and to change its mind based on the results. Okay, so it's an ingredient of artificial intelligence. Yes, Okay. Back to the, the Today Show clip that we're going to have at the show notes. You talk about machine learning offers so much power and so much opportunity that we're in the same place we were with personal computers in 1980, the yep. internet in 1993, and e-commerce when Amazon.com began taking over e-commerce. So back to artificial intelligence, there's one other thing I want to ask you. If you could talk about the three Ds of artificial intelligence, detect, deliberate, and develop. I think that might be helpful for the listener to, to further understand the basics. One of the problems with writing a book is the time that goes by between the writing and the hitting the street. So this is a brand new book that, of course, I've already changed the three deeds to three needs for three deeds. So, <laughs> so the book actually taught itself. <laughs> it did. It taught me. So artificial intelligence, machine learning needs three things in order to accomplish three things. So three needs for three deeds. It needs data, a goal, and a control. 
in order to detect, decide, and revise, and, and allow me to walk through those. Please. One of the reasons that this is, that AI has finally come into its own, you know, past science fiction, is that we now have an inordinate amount of data. In fact, it, it last week we called it big data. And it never really delivered on the promise because it's just too much data. But with artificial intelligence, you can sort it, search it, and figure things out. So machine learning needs a lot of data. It needs a goal. So it looks at the data and it's going and it says, okay, great. What do you want me to figure out? Well, uh, looking at all of this data, who are the people who are most likely to respond to an ad or which of these pictures is most likely a cancer cell? Or uh, I'm coming up to a street corner. Should I slow down, stop, or go? Looking at a whole bunch of data and a specific goal of who should we put this ad in front of, it detects which data is important. So if, for instance, if I am building a machine to figure out whether it's going to rain or not, and I give it wind speed and barometric pressure and temperature and the UV index and what time the sun is going to come up. It's going to look at all that data and say, well, really barometric pressure and temperature are the two that are the most predictive of whether or not it's going to rain. And then it's going to decide, well, what about barometric pressure and temperature? So if the temperature goes down and the barometric pressure drops quickly, then it's more likely to rain. So it's going to detect which bits are important. It's going to decide what, what numbers are associated with that data in order to do something. So for, for talking about advertising, if we give it a whole bunch of behavioral data about what people have done on our website or done in an advertising network, it's going to say, oh, well, the important bits are how much time they spent looking at the product and what other products they've looked at and have they ever purchased something before. And it's going to decide that if they have looked at the item for more than a minute and a half and they've looked at five pages on the website, then the decision is send them a coupon for 15% off. Then it looks at the results of that action to change its mind, to revise its opinion and say, oh, well, you know, we sent that coupon out and based on the response we got, they really need more than two minutes on the item. And, but they only need four page views in order for us to send them a 15% coupon. So it's looking at the data to detect what data is important for a given goal. It decides what to do based on that goal. And if you give it control, if you hand over your advertising or your email marketing to the machine, it can detect, decide, take action, and then change its mind based on results over and over and over and over again at enormous speed. You know, we, we put out an ad campaign and then look at the results and then have a meeting and then have a brief and then have an agency. And it takes months to, to revise what we're doing based on the data, this takes seconds and it doesn't get tired. Yeah. It's uh, kind of troubling because it doesn't, you didn't mention going out for drinks as well as, you know, meeting yep. with the agency, you know, there's that. I, I just kept thinking of constant iteration. That, that was one, one of my takeaways was yes, artificial exactly. intelligence is just constantly iterating, which was interesting. But I think there's a couple things we need to address, though, related to fear. And talk about, can the development of AI 
spell the end of the human race? In other words, Jim, should we should we stop this interview right now? Is it and is it more dangerous than nukes? Not more dangerous than nukes. Nukes are extremely dangerous, but as a society, humanity has decided, you know what? We need to figure out controls on nukes. Uh, another simple analogy is highways. You know, when the automobile first came out, local government said, you know, 10 miles an hour tops because these things are dangerous. Well, now, okay, we're getting that. You can drive 100 miles an hour. You'll get pulled over and given a ticket and then you're on your way because you were a, a naughty boy. But, uh-huh. eh, you know, as long as you weren't drinking, uh, don't kill anybody and pay a big fine. Don't do it again. So we have speeding laws, we have seatbelts, we have airbags, but the value of an automobile is so overwhelming that we're willing to put up with the risk and some of the constraints built in. And the fear around AI is we have not yet developed those constraints. There are some very sharp minds who are putting a lot of effort and a healthy chunk of change into coming up with what are our ethical responsibilities around artificial intelligence and, oh, by the way, privacy. And, and I'm confident that we're going to come up with uh, some good rules of the road, some good seatbelts and airbags. And, and, you know, the fear of it taking over, yep, yeah, sorry, that is science fiction. The actual fear is built-in bias that we're unaware of. The actual fear is invasion of privacy that is invisible and yet is occurring. And these things are cultural responsibilities that are being addressed by consortia. At the beginning of the book, when you talked about all that, I was kind of, you know, concerned, I guess maybe more concerned than I might have been in the past. By the end mm-hmm. of the book, I, I guess I, I understand your point about, yeah, the seatbelts, the airbags are going to come along. I, I was more interested than I was fearful by the end of the book. So let's talk about another big fear of everyone who's listening. And that's about can, can AI, you know, is, is someone's job at risk because of AI? If you could talk about whose job is at risk and talk specifically about marketing and, and salespeople and their managers. So people's jobs at risk. If you are in a, in a very large company, and your marketing job is a very rote, you know, turn the crank and do it again and do it again, you can be automated out of existence. But nobody's job is 100% that, or we would already have automated it. You know, we don't have secretaries anymore who check your spelling. We have automation for that. And you know what? We don't have any secretaries anymore. So yeah, there are certain job functions that are going to disappear in a heartbeat, because they can be automated, but it doesn't mean we're going to have a wholesale replacement of human beings. Instead, we're going to allow them to do more, better work instead of grunt work of, hey, here's uh, 500,000 email responses. I want you to count every one and rank them, uh, you know, tab them, tabulate them and figure out uh, which subject line got the best response. We don't, we don't need that kind of person anymore. We have a machine do that. And the way that AI will come into marketing is specific function by specific function, task by task, in order to make humans more productive. And instead of you're going to lose your job, your job is going to, you're just going to have more automation. You're going to have better tools to use. Will we need to hire fewer people? Yeah, for some tasks, instead of having a thousand people working 
out in the fields, we have a, a tractor that's doing the work of a hundred people for an hour, but those people can now go off and do other productive things. You will lose your job if you are a low level functional, you have tasks to do instead of strategy. If you don't have any, any, uh, direct connection with customers or other people in the company, you're just, you know, here's your pot, sort the mail. You're going to work in the mail room, sort the mail. No, sorry. We can have a machine do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You mentioned that the, the most important message is that AI is not being brought in to replace people, but to work with them and help them work together better. Yeah, one of my favorite phrases around that is instead of artificial intelligence, it's intelligence augmentation. So instead of AI, it's IA. Mm -hmm. So in the book, I thought it was very interesting. You had a chapter that explains data science to marketing people. It's almost like it was one of those French-English <laughs> <laughs> phrase books. And then you had a, a, a companion chapter that explained marketing to the data scientists. Mm -hmm. and, and so like at the beginning, you'd say, okay, if you're a marketer, you may not really need to read this chapter, but your data science you know, colleagues do. But let me ask you something for the benefit of, of the listeners who are probably in a similar situation where they're dealing with people who are just not familiar with marketing. How do you explain marketing to somebody with no marketing background? It is going through the steps. The steps are Awareness, if they don't know who you are, then they can't buy from you. So, you know, that's the beginning of branding. And then affinity. So they have to be aware of you and like you. And then they have to want what you sell. And then they have to be able to buy what you sell. So we all know Rolls Royce. We all like Rolls Royce. And none of us are going to run out and buy a Rolls Royce because we can't. So well, I don't hmm. know, Jim. Some of the listeners to the Marketing Book Podcast are doing pretty well. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. Please run out, buy Rolls-Royce, and send it to me at the following address. <laughs> right. Or, or I think you talked about a camera. Was that where you you said, how, how did you, has anyone here bought a camera recently? Right. And, you know, you, you don't just wake up one day and go, I know exactly what I want. You go look at reviews, you go read articles, you compare and contrast. And then eventually you see an ad on TV that goes, yeah, that's what I want to use my camera for. And you, you go to Google and over time, your search goes from camera to digital camera to 400 megapixel digital camera. And then you start using brand names and then model numbers. And now, you know, now we know that you've gone from curious, uh, to interest, to, you're in acquisition mode. You, you, you went from shopping to buying. Yeah, so the explanation of the customer journey can be, can be very helpful, particularly when, I guess, people internalize it like, oh, yeah, that's how I've bought. And then they start to realize that their own customers <laughs> might actually be buying the same way. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a bit about the customer journey. You say that reaching people has turned into a fractured fairy tale. <laughs> Explain. Well, that, that's a, a couple of things. First of all, it's a... Tip of the hat to the, the old Peabody cartoon and the fractured fairy tales. It is in the good old days, and this is a, my lifetime, so here's an indication of how old I am. And we were both at the 64 World's Fair, let's not forget. So That's a clue. That's a clue. <laughs> right. And in 1964, there were three television networks and a dozen radio stations and two newspapers 
and a slew of magazines and billboards and telemarketing where the phone would ring in the middle of dinner. Maybe a few FM stations. And that's those those were your choices. Those were your your communication channels through which you reached out to everybody. And when we when we went back to school on Monday morning, we all talked about having seen the same television programs and the same ads, and we could sing the jingles to the to those ads because it was a, a small amount of media that we could readily consume. Now media is fractured. And the audience is all over the place. So you can't just say, well, I want everybody to know I'm going to put an ad on television and now everybody will have heard of my product does not work that way. (laughs) So we've got a thousand channels we can use. There is a conference that you can go to called influencer marketing days and influencer marketing days is two days of people talking about social media, reaching out to YouTube stars people with their own blogs who, when they mention your product, your sales go up. That is a a marketing channel we would not have thought about five years ago. It would have been a a fairy tale. Exactly. We have so many ways of reaching people that it's, it's becoming an inhuman problem to solve. We need automation and help in that. Right. So now you quote Russ Klein, the AMA president, as saying that artificial intelligence is going to change the customer journey dramatically. So how does AI then of going to affect the customer journey? Well, now, now we look over the horizon a little bit because we're still in early days of this technology, but it's pretty easy to draw a line uh, and connect the dots and say that when Amazon and Walmart are spending billions of dollars to figure out what I want to buy before I know what I want to buy, and they're getting pretty good at it, then somebody is going to come up with an AI that a consumer can use. And it will be my personal AI, and I will say, you know, I wonder if if it's worth getting the transmission on my car fixed. And my personal AI will pop up and say, well, here's you know the, the mileage you can expect to get and the cost you can expect. And based on what you've been driving in the past, here is a brand new car that you should buy. It's on sale. I have found three of them in your city. It's got all of the features that you love. And I've now negotiated with this dealer for a much lower price. Would you like me to have it delivered? <laughs> And I'm perfectly ready because it won't be the Google machine and it won't be the Amazon machine. It will be the Jim Stern personal AI that will know me well enough that I will be able to trust it because I will have it lived with it and experienced all of its decisions and have influenced all of its recommendations personally. It's about me. That's just amazing. And I can't wait as a customer. I mean, I, I still drive an old car just because I don't want to have to go back to the dealership again <laughs> and, and deal with a purchase. Yeah. Try buying a dishwasher. Try figuring out what plumber to get to come to your house. These these are now really tough decisions. It's not just, you know, oh, well, I'll ask my mother, you know, what kind of dishwashing liquid she uses. It's like, oh, I got to do my research and is it, is it economical and is it ecologically friendly and can I get it locally and please just somebody help me. So let me ask you to explain, let's just jump into the weeds here, explain for the listener that may not be familiar with this, what is programmatic ad buying and 
how does AI play a role in that and, and will it play a role in the future? It plays a central role and has been playing a central role for years now. We just haven't known to call it that. So programmatic ad buying is I have an ad that I want to put out on the internet or on TV now or on the radio. And I want to reach a certain kind of person, whether it's demographic, whether it is psychographic, or uh, what's becoming more common now is what's called lookalikes. So I can go to an advertising network and say, Here, here's a database of the people who bought my product. And the machine looks through that and says, oh, well, they're the sort of people who are on Facebook this much and they looked at LinkedIn that much and they respond to these kinds of, and then it takes the ad and goes out into the network of websites and blog sites and podcasts and puts your ad out there and then watches for response and automatically moves the advertising around away from places that don't respond and toward places where you get a better response programmatically it is automated and this is you know this is how adwords has been working for a long time now and if you've put your credit card on adwords and and spent 50 bucks or 500 bucks on advertising you you are using an artificial intelligence system to put your ad, the right message, in front of the right person at the right time. Mm -hmm. You're already using it. And since we're the same age, I can reference, there, were, there used to be these palm olive ads, Madge, the dishwashing liquid. And <laughs> you're soaking it. <laughs> you're in soaking it. <laughs> you see, for the younger listeners, there were used to be these interruptions in television shows. <laughs> so let's talk about, can you explain also, I'm just trying to think of some of these other things that that are, that are already being used, that, could, that are going to be even more used. Explain what lead scoring is and, and how AI is going to put that on steroids. Lead scoring is the thing that has uh, driven a wedge between every marketing department and their associated sales department. <laughs> um, the marketing department does everything they can to get people to raise their hands saying, hey, that's interesting, tell me more. That is now a lead that gets handed over to the sales department. And the sales department will say the marketing department gives me terrible leads. They're crap. They, I can't sell to these people. The marketing department is stupid and should be fired. <laughs> so what lead scoring does is closes the loop and says, okay, well, we gave you a thousand leads. Is there, you know, how many did you, how many sales did you make? Well, it wasn't because of your leads. It's because I'm such a great salesman. I closed a hundred deals. Great show me those hundred deals and let's go back and find what it was about those leads that allowed you to turn them into sales and we'll find you more people like that and we will score the leads that come in and we'll automate that to say that every time you close another sale, we're going to change the model of who we're looking for because it turns out you can sell more and, and this is where AI is, is fascinating. It doesn't have to be logical. So logical says, well, it's people who have money and have the interest and are in the, maybe in a specific location. That doesn't matter. It could be, it's people who, who called in on Wednesday, or it could be people named Bob. It, it doesn't really matter. All that matters is people with these same attributes tend to be more likely to purchase. Therefore, we're going to score that lead higher. And this is something that, that. AI can do again, 
if it has enough data. So if you're a small company and you get three leads a day, uh, you, you don't need a machine. If you get 3,000 leads a day, this stuff's going to work really well for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you talk about the greatest asset and weakness of, of AI is, is data. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a good example of it. One other vocabulary word and, and I want to talk about, and that is attribution. If you could explain what attribution is, and it's one of the most hotly contested topics in online marketing, explain it, and but explain how AI is really going to clear a lot of that up, or could. Could. <laughs> I can dream, can't I, Jim? Yeah, indeed. So attribution, let's, let's go back to the beginning of advertising, if you will, and a man by the name of John Wanamaker, who ran a department store in Philadelphia and uh, had the first copy, you know, copyrighted the first ad and is famously known for having said, I know half of my advertising dollar is being wasted. I just don't know which half. Attribution is the hope that if I spend money on television and I spend money on newspapers and I spend money on direct mail and I spend money on online advertising and on social media, that I will be able to tell which of those channels was responsible for making the sale. And attribution says, well, the, you know, the last click before they made the purchase, that, that last ad they saw was obviously the most important. Oh no, the argument goes, that's the first click that's the most important because that's awareness. Without that first click, nothing would have happened. Oh, well, actually, the, the first click is the most important and then it dwindles down. No, 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 it, the last click is the most important, but we'll give some credit to the first and all that stuff. So how do you know that the billboard on the highway had any impact at all? How do you know that the ad on the radio was actually heard? How do you know your ad that they were in the room when your ad ran on the television? Attribution is a game of building a model that predicts whether or not a certain marketing mix is working. And then you change the model a little bit and see if you can get some improvement. And if you have a model that kind of looks like the world is actually working, then it's useful and you can use it to project how you should be spending your money. Where AI comes in is that we're going to take all of the data that we have used before to calculate attribution and a whole bunch of other data that we've ignored because it's just, there's just too much of it. And we point the machine at it and say, go look at this and figure out what was the exposure in different channels and what was the response and where should I be spending my money tomorrow? Because the machine can figure out, can detect what the important data bits are and can decide what to do next and then change its mind. It can build an attribution model that is constantly updating based on where the money is being spent that this is this is the dream and it's also seems tied into one thing toward the end of the book which i think is really important for marketers and salespeople to understand and this i think might be a great motivator in that you said that the cfo chief financial officer doesn't care <laughs> if marketing did a great job on a mailing campaign or optimizing the customer journey using the latest dynamic data integration methods the cfo cares 
how much money marketing made for the company this quarter. <laughs> and I think yep. that's tied in with, with how uh, a lot of this AI is going to actually be able to help them with that answer. You know, that's, that's one of the things we realized early on in the, in the digital analytics world, you know, web analytics and nobody understands what it was and, and marketing people said, oh, it's those, those techie folks who are just like, we're over here doing creative work and important things and you're just looking at computers. We found out that if we went to talk to the CFO, uh, we spoke the same language. It's, it's about where do you put your investment and how do you measure whether or not it's working? And it's, and it's not, but it's good for branding. Okay, well, great. How do you measure that? So the analyst and the CFO became aligned and artificial intelligence is another one of those tools that will help prove the results and show whether or not you're moving the needle in a good way or a bad way. One last question, which I hope would give some you know, inspiration and, and encouragement to marketers. You argue that it's easier to teach marketing people about artificial intelligence than to teach AI about marketing. Explain what you mean there. Artificial intelligence is a technology. It is a discrete set of programs that you give it input and it gives you output and you don't really need to understand what happens under the hood. If I'm, if I'm driving my car, I have an accelerator, a brake and a steering wheel. And there's a whole bunch of complex stuff that goes on under the hood that in order to use the car, I don't need to understand. I can just drive. I need to understand the rules of the road. Now the rules of the road are very complex because they involve other humans teaching a marketing person about a tool is much easier than trying to explain psychology to a machine. Mm -hmm. Or empathy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Or persuasion. But given enough data, the machine can say, well, every time we've shown this picture and used these words and made that offer with this color background to that kind of person, uh, we got more sales. So let's try doing that some more. Yeah, and it's also not one or the other here. Exactly. I think that's a f sort of a false dichotomy that, that, that folks seem to be having about this, this AI thing. So, Jim, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? It behooves you to understand this well enough to be able to start bringing it into the company. And it's, um, you know, that's I, I wrote the book so that the marketing department can read it, the, the data scientists can read it, and then the two of them can have a conversation about what to do next. It is as important as computers and internet, and it is going to change how everybody does work. It, it is, and, and in fact, a prediction. In three years, nothing will be described as artificial intelligence anymore because it will just be imbued in every technology that we have. It is that important and it is that dramatic. And it is, you know, I've got, I've got a couple of years of flogging this book because it's the top of the hype cycle. I am so confident that this is going to be standard. I mean, it's like we, we don't talk about internet marketing anymore. It's just part of marketing, right? We're now, not going to talk about AI anymore. It's just part of computing. Or content marketing. You know, Robert Rose and Joe Polizzi at the Content Marketing Institute, they always talk about how that term is going to go away. 
yeah. content marketing. No, it's just it's just going to be marketing. So very interesting. So Jim, how best can listeners learn more about you and your book? Um, well, let's see. AI4marketing.com. AI, the number four, marketing.com is the website that I'm, I'm just beginning to blog on and uh, has some news feeds and, of course, the, the big buy now button. <laughs> Terrific. And we'll include a link to that. Thank you. Uh, in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com, along with that clip from the uh, Today Show. And I'll even include that uh, Paul Molive ad if I, can, if I can find it on YouTube. <laughs> you probably can. <laughs> yeah. So just a closing quote from the foreword by Thomas Davenport. I believe there is a bright future for human marketers, but only if they take the initiative to learn about AI and how it can affect and improve their work. This book is the easiest and best way you will find to achieve that objective. The name of the book is Artificial Intelligence for Marketing, Practical Applications. The author is Jim Stern. Jim, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. Douglas, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And that closes the book on episode 142 of the Marketing Book Podcast. Links to everything linkable in the interview you just listened to are at marketingbookpodcast.com. And that's also where you can sign up for the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. And if you have any feedback on the show or if I can make a book recommendation, I'd love to hear from you. Just go to marketingbookpodcast.com and leave me a message or tweet at me. My Twitter handle is marketingbook or connect with me on LinkedIn. My name again is Douglas Burdett. Also, as I mentioned at the top of the show, check out the Daily B2B Growth Show. It's a great companion podcast to this one. And please join us next time as we welcome Bruce McDuffie to the Marketing Book Podcast to celebrate Manufacturing Day in the U.S. and talk about his book, The New Way to Market for Manufacturing, Innovation That Grows Your Business. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Oh,